This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. We're in a series called Beliefs That Keep You Stuck, Bad Ideas That We Think Keep You From Growing. So, as a team, we see these all the time when we counsel, when we work with people, pastoring, therapy, whatever we're doing with people. So today we're tackling the belief that shoulds are good. And what we mean is this, is it good that we walk around telling ourselves all the time that we should or shouldn't? Mm. There's an old psychologist, Albert Ellis, he coined the phrase shooting all over yourself. I love that. <laughs> it's, it's not bad because people think you're saying something else right. and it captures their attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we don't use any foul language. No. On, right. This is a clean, absolutely. It's a very family clean, friendly family podcast. Program. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he coined this phrase shooting all over yourself to describe our tendency to basically bomb ourselves with shoulds. And what he said was that the more shooting you do, the more guilty and anxious and bad you start feeling. So we're going to hit this head on because we see it all the time and it kind of bugs us. So here's how we're going to break this down today. Well, yeah, I mean, we're just going to look at where did this law of the shoulds come from and how does it show up in our lives? Because if you can start to recognize them, then we think it's really going to free you up. Um, But I think we've all found that shoulds operate in the background of our lives, maybe going undetected for years, maybe even decades. And we want to bring these to your conscious awareness so that you, our listener, can evaluate where, when, and how you might see this belief impacting you. Yeah, I think I first became aware of this. Uh, I have a good friend of mine. He's a well-known pastor um, and he's the one who really got me thinking about this topic um, when he said this. He said, you know, I always feel like I ought to be doing something productive. In other words, he said, I just I can't rest. And, and maybe, I, you know, I'll work hard and then I can't just enjoy the work mm-hmm. that I've done. Um, he can't really rest. He can't really take a day off. Um, and because he's always got that voice in his head, I should be doing something. I've got to keep up. I can't stop. Yeah. And, he's, and he's miserable as a result of it. I think that's a familiar thing uh, that we hear from people and that we notice in ourselves. And it shows up in, I think, probably four main areas that we want to discuss today. And the first one is just religious shoulds. And that's a big category. But then we want to look at vocational shoulds, like your job performance, Jay, like you mentioned, and then also shoulds in marriage. That's Mm. a big category. And lastly, we're going to talk about parenting shoulds. And then we're going to just look at why do we believe that shoulds are good for us? Why do we keep shoulding all over ourselves? (laughs) And lastly, 
how to just recognize the shoulds in our lives so we can identify where we might be getting stuck. Yeah. You mentioned four. They're not the only ones, but they're the biggies. So I'll start with the first one, and it's the religious shoulds. And it kind of goes like this. It'll be familiar to all of us. I should read my Bible more. I should read my Bible in a different way or the right way. I should pray more. I should give more. I should serve more. I should have a better attitude. I should not watch as much television as I do, you know, stuff like that. At the outset, these are all good things. They're not bad things, but think of them like serial killers in your head. When they become standards that are rooted in an assumption that you have to be perfect, And this might be a little controversial for me to say, or rooted in the idea that your job now as a Christian is to please God. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you'll kind of get as we go along, like what we mean by that. Because of course it's fun. No. It's not wrong. It's fun to please God. <laughs> it is fun to please God. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, hang on. <laughs> well, of course, it's good to try and please God, and that can come from a good place in your heart. It's not wrong to please Him, but it is very hurtful to believe that you are inherently displeasing to Him, and now you have to make up for it by reaching some ideal level of maturity or service, thinking you have to live up to something. And it's a very condemning idea when I can't achieve perfection or an ideal that I have in my head, because then I begin living under judgment. Yeah, John, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to mention this a couple of times, but I think sometimes as Christians, we think, okay, I get it. I'm not saved by, by baptism or my good works. It's, it's, I understand grace. It's what Jesus did for me on the cross. And so we think, okay, now I've got this clean slate with God. Yeah. But from here on out, I better get my act together and do these things or God's going to be displeased with me. Oh, that's so common. Mm. And, and I think it's so hurtful for people. Yeah. It takes all the joy out of being connected to a loving Heavenly Father. Honest confessions, I'll use this as an example. I am not a very good reader of the Bible. Uh, I've always struggled with ADD from childhood. Um, it's very hard for me to sit and read for long periods of time. I love to learn, but my learning style doesn't lend itself to heavy absorption of large volumes of material. Now, I can do that with food, (laughs) but not with reading. This is honest confession. Yeah, I'm feeling great right now. (laughs) So reading the Bible, any program of reading it through in a year Mm. or having quote-unquote, regular quiet times or devotions, I'm just really not very good at it. Mm. So if my goal is to check the boxes, to read enough of the Bible in just the right way and get some really great insights, if that's my motivation and my goal, then I fail. Mm -hmm. And I have struggled with that most of my life. If I'm devoted to having devotions, it becomes a should. If I'm devoted to receiving and enjoying the Father's love for me, then even when I fail or I think I fail, it can turn into a point of connection or a want. Like I want to connect with God. I want to be accepted. And I am because of Jesus. So my performance then goes off the table. Mm. And it turns into more a posture of receiving and listening instead of performing and trying to get it right to please God. 
So I'm taking it you haven't read War and Peace. <laughs> no, I have not read War and Peace. Or Calvin's Institutes. Right. <laughs> but you know what? I if you <laughs> So a long time ago, I had a professor in seminary, and I walked into his office, and he was a Hebrew scholar. He was a PhD guy, real smart. And I saw all of these sticky notes in his books. And I said, Doc, why do you have all of those sticky notes in your books? And he looked at me, he said, because I can't read a book, like from start to finish. (laughs) He said, I have to spot read and find what I'm looking for. Yeah, And And that was very freeing Mm. for me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I haven't read War and Peace either, or most of Calvin's Institute. So just since we're in confession time here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, But all my life, though. Mm. I've struggled under, as a pastor, mm. especially under this burden of I have to be really good at having devotions and quiet times. And I think Christians struggle with this a little more than non-Christians because we forget the gospel. Non-Christians aren't even thinking about the holiness of God. Christians understand that God's holy and he's perfect. So we easily take on this assumption that now we have to live up to his holiness and make him happy. And this is really a pathway to self-condemnation. Um, if, to put it simply, the gospel skinny is this. We're already holy. It's a gift from God. It's not something we earn. And God is already pleased with us. He took our mess so he can grow us up. And Jesus has taken being good off the table. And that frees us to accept our limitations and relax in his intentions to love us over a lifetime and to transform us. There's a passage we throw around a lot, Philippians 1.6. I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. If you really take that verse seriously, it means that our transformation into being like Jesus is God's job and our growth is more about his timing and less about our faithfulness. Mm. Religion always says the opposite. It says you should and you must perform, you must live up. Mm. So I think Christians really struggle with this. As you were saying, you know, we give lip service to grace at the beginning, but then we've got this slate. Mm. It's clean, and now we have a quote-unquote second chance, and we've got to live up to God now. Yeah, we forget that the Christian life is also by grace. As, we do. As, as well. Yeah, I, I think this is a really big issue uh, for people, de- and depending upon maybe the religious tradition you grew up with, um, uh, there is, in some sense, the idea of legalism, where we can look to the law, God's law, to make ourselves right with God. That's one definition of legalism, but... Also, when people add to God's laws, they put Mm. these shoulds on us, and then we feel like we also have to live up to those shoulds, Mm. um, we become burdened. And in some sense, we're adding to the gospel. Uh, It's the same, right? Isn't that what the Pharisees did? Right. You know, remember Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and experts in the law for putting undue burdens on others, on, on the people. In, in Luke eleven forty six, Jesus said these words. He says, he says, and you experts in the law, you load people down with the burdens they can hardly carry, and, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Hmm. 
See, the Pharisees and religious leaders were always adding to God's commandments, which were good, <clears throat> to make sure that people didn't break the commands, which is legalism. And, and pastors, I think, have to be really careful in our preaching, in our teaching, that we don't do the very same thing to people, especially with the shoulds. You know, I was having lunch with a guy last week, and um, he grew up going to a very legalistic church. And, and he said to me, you know, just sitting here with you, and, and we're having a great conversation, we're having a great lunch. But he said, you know, in my old days, if I would be sitting at lunch with somebody, I would feel this burden that I would have to turn the conversation to the gospel and try to convert you uh, and, and somehow get into some sort of gospel presentation or, or Jesus wouldn't be pleased with, wow. with me. Mm -hmm. and, and he felt this burden. In, mm. <laughs> in That's this, such it, a that, burden. That voice in it was in his head all of the time. Is, is leading someone to Christ, is talking with someone about Christ a good thing? Absolutely. But he felt the burden that every person he came in contact with or had a conversation with, that, that he had to present the gospel to them. Hmm. Or I, I saw someone uh, share on Twitter last week of people having lists of things they should do. For example, prayer lists uh, of non-Christian friends, maybe that a pastor had told them to write down in a sermon or a talk that they were given to be sure to pray for these people. And, the, and, and so they feel guilty if they don't pray for these people on this list on a regular basis. Uh, because after all, if they don't pray, then these people might go to hell. So is praying for people really important? Well, well, yes. But ultimately, right, God is the one who has to save them. That, that's good theology. And, and so our good theology kind of takes the monkey off our back, so to speak, of that, that we're responsible for someone else's salvation. But the should list can get pretty high. Right. I should be doing this, and I should be doing that, and the should pile can, can continue to grow and grow in our lives and can put, us, put a huge burden on us. Mm -hmm. You know, you should go on a mission trip because people are going to hell without Jesus, and you should be giving more money away because people are starving. You should this, you should that. All good things, but it can turn into this legalistic mindset and become quite burdensome. Or, you know, this is going to be a little bit controversial for me to say here. So I'm not even sure if I should say it. But well, I've already started. We can already. That's exactly right. We can edit it out well. if it's really but, bad. But, but you know what? <laughs> As pastors, if we preach, for example, you, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And that means that you should dot, 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 fill in the blank. What I want to say here is be very careful that what you say next isn't loading people down mm, with burdens. That's a good litmus test. In other words, is what you're saying, is that more your idea of how mm. to love thy neighbor? Mm. Or is that actually in God's words? Um, be careful about saying things that control people and bind people's consciences. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know people's circumstances and giftings and callings, and not everyone is called to do everything. Um, if you're a Christian, you should vote 
for a certain candidate. Mm. Really? I mean, we, we, we've been living in a culture that's been struggling that's with, well, how us, do yeah. we know that that person, I mean, you pray about it, but ultimately you have to go into the voting booth with that God give you wisdom to best, to vote for the best person. But let's be very careful about binding people's consciences that this is what God wants you to do. You should do this or you're not truly a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Christians do fall prey to this because they really do want to please God, and they really do want to do the right, right thing. Right, But their consciences are informed by other voices and the culture around them, and, and they can get really confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, I, you know, I've been reading through the Gospels and just hearing what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees and their hypocrisy, their greed, how they bind, bound the consciences of their listeners. And so as pastors, gosh, we're, we're sinners too, and we can fall into that very same trap. And... Um, and then as we think about our own lives, we tend to live under the yoke of the shoulds of others. We buy into them and start to believe them ourselves. We tend to say, thus saith the Lord, et cetera, and it leads to guilt and condemnation. Yeah, yeah I feel like the hard part, though, and we've been saying this, but these shoulds, they sound so good. They sound so religious and holy. And like you said, we want to please God. But then when I read when Jesus says, you know, take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and light. So what he's really saying is that he has carried the heavy weight Hmm. and the burden of the law on his shoulders. And in return, as we trust him, he gives us his grace, his mercy, his perfect righteousness so that we no longer have to live under the yoke of the shoulds. But I do think to your point There are many uh, religious communities, churches, we're kind of picking on pastors today. Sorry, guys, because you're both pastors. But, um, you know, teachers that essentially convey these like extra biblical messages to their flock. And so they pressure people into serving and giving, performing, evangelizing. And it's all out of an effort to please God and the church authority. And many people are emotionally manipulated. By these religious shoulds, and they begin to believe that their relationship with God is on the line if they don't say yes. Well, and a lot of times, since you've kind of outed us as you know a couple of pastors, mm. a lot of times pastors themselves are emotionally conflicted and bound because they're leading a church mm-hmm. and they want to please God mm-hmm. and see good things happen, mm-hmm. and so it's very easy to try and get people to do things so that you feel good about your job as a pastor. Yeah, yeah. Which has nothing to do with them, really. Yeah. And it really is coming out of a place of fear that if I don't get people to serve the homeless, if I don't get people to be out there doing whatever I think they should be doing, then I'm failing at my job and God won't be happy with me. Yeah. I, I think, John, in the old days, the legalism used to sound like this, right? You can't drink. You can't play cards. You can't go to movies. Um, it, don't it, smoke. Don't drink. Don't uh, chew. Don't and go. Don't go with girls who <laughs> do. John. Right. That's what it used to sound. And maybe there's churches out there that <laughs> they're saying that very same thing. I I don't know, but I think more what we're hinting at here is that 
like, you know, we're, we're a big church and we have a lot of great programs. We have a lot of mission trips. We have a lot of ways that you can serve and we want people to get involved. And so every week we can get up there and say, hey, we, we have all these great, good opportunities and things for you to do, right? Um, but, but what happens then is every week when your people are listening to all these things, right? They, mm-hmm. they can't do everything. They can't be involved in every Bible study and go on every mission trip and serve in children's ministry and read this book for this discussion, you know, and they mm-hmm. put themselves under the pile. And uh, I, I read a book by, actually, we read it with our staff uh, called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. And he helped shed some light on this of, We have to remember, we can't do everything that's good. Each of us are given different gifts, different callings, different responsibilities, and and we can't do everything or we'll just wear ourselves ourselves out. We can't do everything. We should be doing something. Mm -hmm. We should be involved in some things, and God has called us to some of those things, Mm -hmm. but you can't do... And, and, And so there's a lot of probably even maybe more pressure on them. But we begin to define ourselves based upon our peers and how we're doing and how are we working up the corporate ladder, or we're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, one of the reasons why I think we often work so hard in our jobs is because uh, we've made money an idol. And and so you've got to work more to just simply keep up with your peers or your neighbors. And I think when you're on that treadmill in life, what I've seen is people get burnt out and they end up, they're frustrated, they're exhausted, they're overworked, and they end up neglecting their home life, they end up neglecting their marriages, they don't have time to spend with their kids, and then then also, uh, conversely, they don't, of course, have time to spend um, on their relationship with God, reading their Bible or going to church or things like that, that gets put on the back burner because they've made their vocation, you know, I should be doing this. I've got to keep up with what society says is success. And, and, and then it's not just in our own lives. Here's what I've also seen is, is that we push that um, drive for success on our children as well mm-hmm. um, in our parenting. It's interesting, an academic, a guy named Nathan Hatch, um, he used to be at the University of Notre Dame. Maybe he still is. Um, but he's one of these guys that when Nathan Hatch talks about education, people listen. And he's a Christian. He's well-respected. And uh, he was talking one time to a group of educators and One of the things that he noticed in higher education is that you have kids coming in to colleges and and, uh, a high percentage of those kids going to college, but they study, he noticed, three different fields, high finance, law, and medicine. And those are all great fields, right? They're all well-respected. Let's be honest about that. But he said what's happened is, is that sometimes it's their parents Hmm. of these students that are pushing them in those fields because they're the most respected and they're the paths to make the most money. And and he says, you know what? There's kind of what he called an achievatron going on with kids. 
where it starts at a very early age. You know, you've got to have them in the Harvard preschools, <laughs> right? It, they've got to be in the best sports clubs or in the be- on the best sports teams. They've got to go to the best high schools. There's this pressure to perform, you know, so they have to take all of these classes so that they do well on the ACT. And now all of those things are goods, are good things, but kids are feeling this pressure of the shoulds and then this pressure to go into certain fields because this is what our society says success is. Yeah, that's really good. And it's burning kids out. And they're miserable. Absolutely. And so the shoulds, when it comes to the vocation fields, uh, uh, the pressure there is strong. And somehow we got to figure out how to get off this treadmill. Well, I, I guess when you make your work, your identity, and I think, guys, we do this in a big way, it, it crushes you because it's no longer what you do. It's like who you are. Yeah, you transfer your identity from your uh, worth in God's eyes to your work. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And we all fall prey to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to discern this stuff. Um, well, let's take a break. And then, Lynn, we'll come back and you talk about shoulds in marriage. Oh, I can't wait. We'll be right back in a jiffy. But we want to take a quick pause to say thank you Thank you so much for listening in. If you like what you're hearing, think about texting this episode to a friend. And find us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. Okay, so I want to talk about shoulds in marriage because uh, when Shay and I got married, as most people do, I had an unspoken list of shoulds. And Boy, did she. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you would know. You were Let, there. Let's talk off air. I let's can talk. <laughs> right. Maybe another word for that would be just expectations in my head that he was going to fulfill in order for me to be happy. And I truly believe that my happiness and my contentment was based on whether or not he was checking all the boxes on my shoulds. And I'm not really talking about moral shoulds, like these are God's commandments that you should follow. I'm talking about Lynn's commandments (laughs) that you should follow. And so it was like this manual in my head that I had written. And, um, of course, I didn't tell him what was in the manual in my head. He was just supposed to know intuitively what the shoulds were. So I'm sure you can see where this is going. Um, Let me just use an example. For instance, like I have a birthday coming up and... um, You expect him to read your mind. Right. Right. Exactly. Does Paula ever expect you to read her mind? Um, Of course. (laughs) I'm supposed (laughs) to know. Okay, good. It's not just me. (laughs) I'm supposed to figure this out because that would be her being pursued. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Thank you. I need to have Paula on this episode. He studied me. He understands me. Exactly. So, okay, here's an example. I grew up in a family where birthdays are noticed and celebrated. They're marked by gifts and a cake and phone calls and cards and tributes and speeches, like speeches. Are made. Yeah, not not just birthdays. Uh, I mean, Lynn's family they celebrate Arbor Day. 
Right. <laughs> okay, I'm that's kind not of joking, true. But like with cards and speeches and get-togethers. Cards, speeches. They, they get together to honor trees. And, and I'm kind of joking, but but I'm not joking. But holidays, it was a big, it's a big deal in right. their like, family. And in, I didn't grow up like that. I no, I didn't either. Well, in my family, <laughs> if you really love someone, then you throw them a surprise party because the level of effort really shows right? That you've put in the time, the energy to surprise someone on their birthday. So as Shay mentioned, he grew up in a home where now he claims this is true. I don't really believe him, but he claims that his birthday was only celebrated once. One time. That he can remember. Yeah. I, we had one birthday party. I had one birthday party <laughs> in my life. I actually don't believe that because no, he was true. the baby of the family. Your mom, your siblings, they just took such good care of you. I have a hard time believing that you only had one birthday party. But in his memory, that was the only time. So as you can see, we come into marriage and we've both brought these different expectations or shoulds into our relationship. And so this manual in my head is like all the things that he should do to celebrate me because he loves me. And so you can see that um, over time, this created conflict in our relationship. But what happens is, is I think you kind of take the freedom away <laughs> yeah. from the other person to choose or to do it from that place of, I desire to, to please you. Because now it's like, oh my goodness, if I don't, she's going to be mad at me. And so then he would feel paralyzed, like, well, I can't do anything right, so I'm not even going to do anything at all. So I'm just saying that I hope I'm not the only one that has experienced bringing shoulds into marriage and seeing how that can actually hurt the relationship more than help. Yeah, you're describing something that happens at a pretty deep level, and it's very frustrating. On the surface, you know, you're expecting somebody to figure you out, read your mind. Um, below the surface, the problem with this is that you will never feel loved because you'll always be arriving at a net zero. Mm. And here's why. If they do what you expect them to do, the only thing that you can do in response is to recognize that they've only done what they should have done, mm -hmm. like, all along. <laughs> right. So you never feel love because you're only open to receiving what the other person ought to be doing. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't come from their heart. And so you you kind of end up feeling this love deficit all the time. Right. And so when we walk around with these shoulds, you know, he should do that, she should do that, that really does. I agree. It sets you up for a personal sense of disappointment, maybe resentment, disillusionment, because that person isn't living up to your commandments, right, your law, your shoulds, and to your standards and as, so the way this might play out yeah. is he might come back and sense your disappointment and say well i, I threw you a party and we had 50 people show right, up right your response might be something like which well, i have done by the way just yeah <laughs> but then my response is yeah but i had to plan the whole thing so like it just didn't really mean anything i mean there's right. always right like you said there's always another should on top of the should that didn't get met. And so, yeah, it's not, just frustrating. Well, or if not, it's like, well, yeah, you threw me a party. That's what you're supposed right. to do. So you never feel like, oh, my gosh, he threw me a party. Yeah. 
So it just leaves you feeling empty and not loved. And it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. yeah. Now, in all honesty, there's a lot of, it, this is not all Lynn's fault, right? There's a lot of selfishness Please, yes. Rescue me from this. <laughs> on my part, and um, and 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 we always have these issues, right? When where it's coming to Christmas and holidays and Arbor Day, <laughs> uh, these things that we have to work through. Her shoulds, but in 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 reality, they're they are her shoulds, but it's also a lot of my selfishness, and so. Um, you know, how are we going to work that? Yeah, I think that? we just need help to stop shooting on each other, Shay. Yeah, I, I Maybe agree. John, I need to be less selfish. John can help us. <laughs> and you need to stop shooting on me. <laughs> well, we have survived 25 years, so. That's good. I guess we'll figure it out at some point. Right? Well, you're starting to now. We're starting to good. figure it out, yeah. What about parenting? Parenting should. Yeah. I see this a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and I already mentioned some of these, you know, this achievatron, this pressure that we put on our kids. But, um, but you know, I remember uh, Lynn and I raising our kids. And, of course, um, we, 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 you know, we, we started having kids even before we had kids. We're reading all of the parenting books that are out there that are being published, you know, the hottest book. And um, and all the books say, right, you, n- you never should do this. You never should do that. And, and many times they offered good advice. But you always felt like you're failing. Um, mm-hmm. For example, if your kid won't sleep through the night at a certain age right. or if you allow your children to come and sleep with you <laughs> mm-hmm. when they're little. I remember that, mm-hmm. that that was one of the big no-nos in mm-hmm. one of the books that we read. Mm-hmm. And, and so we all had these shoulds. We felt the burden to live up yeah. to. Yeah. And, 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 and what I found is you, you just feed them and you clothe them and, and love them, and they usually turn out okay, to be honest with you. Yeah, the good enough parenting <laughs> right. idea. Yeah. And that sounds so good, but I do think moms mercilessly compare themselves mm. with other moms. You know, when my kids were little, I did live under the burden of many shoulds. You know, what they should be eating, how they should be acting, how long they should be napping. You know, what level of reading are they at? I was comparing my kids to other kids' development. And I remember the day when I finally said, I give up. Like, I I just give up. I was exhausting myself. I'm not a Pinterest mom. I'm not a crafty mom. I'm not a mom who loves messes. I I just can't keep up. And so I kind of decided to just shut the voices out that were coming at me of all the ways I should be parenting. And I just tried to tune into okay, what do my kids need from me right now? And how can I give it to them without drowning or losing my sanity? I finally just kind of tried to step out of the burden of the shoulds, and it was very freeing. I, yes, I, I see many clients who take responsibility for things that they don't need to, and they think that they're in full control of their kids, and they forget that their kids are self-determining, mm-hmm. and they're supposed to get it wrong. And so just the good enough parenting is very right. freeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, parenting is not hard. I have figured this out after teaching <laughs> the parenting class and raising a couple of kids. It's really not hard. It's impossible. <laughs> and so when you can accept that, yeah. Yeah. now you can kind of live under right. the reality yeah. of I'm not going to get everything right. 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 And billions of people, billions have figured it out Yeah, throughout the history <laughs> of the world. Isn't they have. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so here we're describing mm. 
just the presence of shoulds and that we all have them. And we have them in the religious realm. We have them in vocational realms, marriage realms, parenting realms. Those are just the four that we chose. Mm. Um, It extends through all of life because it really comes out of our hearts. Mm. So we're going to end this episode and ask you to plug into episode two, where we'll talk about where this comes from and why it's so tempting to live this way and hard to break out of it. And we'll give you a couple of practical pointers. And what a better belief might be instead of shoulds are good for you. I like that. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at withyouintheweeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.